0: And welcome to this week's episode of the Tiger Shulman Smithtown podcast. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulmans in Smithtown. So this week I wanted to do a follow-up episode of um, what we talked about last week. If you didn't yet get to listen to last week's episode, definitely go back and have a listen. I think it was a great podcast. it got some great feedback from some people on the topic that I was talking about and uh, we talked about a very similar topic this week. Last week we talked about the value of a mentor, specifically a mentor outside of the family. This week I wanted to talk about the characteristics that lead to someone being a good mentor. So I did pose the question to social media once again, um, but the thing I really wanted to start with today is what is not necessary in order for someone to be a great mentor. And what that is, I'm thinking in the sport model here, uh, they don't have to be a high level competitor or player in that field or sport. Uh, they don't have to be an active competitor in the, the field, the sport uh, or specialty that you're looking for. And again, I'm thinking mainly in the martial arts sports world at first because great mentors are often great coaches so if we look at a great coach well, usually we're looking at sport now like I said it's very rare that you're gonna find a great high-level competitor that also makes a very high-level coach because the two things are inversely related as a competitor your focus has to be very selfish you have to focus on on yourself, your training, making sure that you're prepared to compete at the level that you should. You're trying to be outstanding in your field and that requires a degree of selfishness. It doesn't make them a bad person, it doesn't make them a selfish person, it just means in that specific avenue of their life they have to be selfish about their own training. Whereas as a coach or a mentor the role is exactly the opposite. The coach or the mentor is completely selfless. They're doing it not for their own well-being. They're putting all their time and their energy and their effort into their athletes. I just recently heard an interview from the Joe Rogan podcast with interim UFC lightweight champion Justin Gagey as well as his coach Trevor Whitman. and. A very good portion of the episode uh, was Trevor Whitman, the coach, talking about time that he was spending to create very unique uh, gear for the needs of his specific athletes. He went in great detail about it, but again, he's not doing that because he's going to become a multi millionaire from making his athletes gloves and shin guards. He just wants his athletes to be able to train at the highest level, become their best selves, simply because that's what he wants out of the relationship. That's the thing that means the most to him. So you think about it, this guy trains these athletes all those hours on a given day, monitors their training and their training camps and schedules their whole day. And then he goes home and he's in his basement working on specialized gear for them to try to get produced uh, just for them so that with his athletes will be able to be as injury-free and train at the highest level possible. That's a pretty rare and pretty selfless characteristic. Now, don't get me wrong. There are definitely some exceptions that prove the rule. There are definitely some people who were very high-level competitors, maybe even are still high-level competitors, and yet still are very good high-level coaches. Uh, For example, uh, if you go back several episodes and you listen uh, to one of the interviews that I had, Dwayne Ludwig is a great example of someone who was a very high-level competitor, obviously fought all the way in the UFC and very high levels of kickboxing, but now, is a fantastic coach now it's a little unique in his situation because if you look at what Dwayne Ludwig fought like if you look at the way he performed as an athlete you look at the things he did there's some of what he teaches now just a little bit whereas he teaches his athletes in a much much different style so it's almost again showing that he's a better coach than he even was an athlete, even though he was an unbelievable athlete as well. Uh, Another person that came to mind when I was making this list uh, was Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor Marcelo Garcia, a very, very high-level competitor, one, uh, uh, you know, the most prestigious of grappling tournaments all the time, very well-respected as a competitor. He's beaten a who's who of grappling competitors, yet... Has a, great, uh, has a great reputation as a trainer. And he has a great reputation with his ability to coach athletes as well. And then obviously, I believe uh, that one of my mentors, Tiger Shulman, is a perfect example of this rare exception. And he was a very, very, very high level competitor. You know, back when he was competing in the 70s and 80s, you know, the toughest competition that there was, was the one that he was winning. Uh, UFC didn't exist, uh, you know. Glory kickboxing didn't exist. Instead, what existed was the Mas Oyam of full-contact karate championships. Uh, no weight classes. I uh, just. Glo- uh, I'm sorry. No gloves, no pads. You just go out there. Two men went out there, and uh, they basically would go about hitting each other until somebody fell down. Uh, that was the the whole thing. Uh, no weight classes. So. You know, uh, to give this a little bit of perspective here, Tiger is probably about five foot six. When he was competing, he was probably about 135, maybe as much as 150 pounds at the height of his like competition size. And Dolph Lundgren of Rocky IV fame was in the same tournament brackets as him. And Tiger won this tournament seven years in a row. Sorry, excuse me, six years in a row. Pardon me. Uh, To this date, no one has even won it twice, as far as I'm aware so very high level competitor and an unbelievable coach you know he can teach you a class teaching you just three punches the whole class and you feel like he's teaching you the most incredible thing that you ever learned in your life even if it's punches that you've done your entire martial arts career i can go and train with him and we can spend the entire you know 90 minutes on something that i've been doing for 23 years and it'll still have the same intrigue as though it was the first day I was doing it. Now, I believe these exceptions prove the rule. I believe the fact that we can think of them so readily shows the fact that more often than not, what makes the difference, or the the person who is the best coach, isn't necessarily the best athlete, isn't necessarily the best competitor. And I think there's many more examples of the opposite. first one that came to my mind as a New Yorker was Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey was a very average professional baseball player. Yes, he was a professional baseball player, but he wasn't exceptional in his skills, and I definitely don't think he was a better athlete than the athletes that he coached. If you look at him coaching Derek Jeter or Alex Rodriguez, both of those guys, far better athletes, far better baseball players, than Joe Torre ever was, yet he was able to motivate them and connect with them and bring even higher levels out of them. If you were to look at the boxing world, uh, there's several great examples here, uh, like Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach is, uh, again, a guy with a fantastic coaching resume, Uh, most famously has worked with uh, lightweight boxer Manny Pacquiao, as well as many other athletes. But Freddie Roach, again, just, in terms of professional boxers, it was mediocre at best. And he's the first one to admit that. I, everybody I'm gonna talk about, they'll be the first ones to admit that they weren't amazing as players, not nearly as amazing as they were at coaches. You know, I'm taking a lot of these, these um, evaluations from their own words. So again, Freddie was an okay boxer, he wasn't great. But if you look at the athletes that he coaches and the level that he coaches them to, it's unbelievable. His wild card boxing gym in Las Vegas is like, it's a place to go. It's like a, um, it's like the Taj Mahal of boxing. Then you look even at uh, a mentor I mentioned last week, Customato. Again, you wouldn't look at Customato's resume as a boxer and be like, wow. (laughs) Instead, you'd look at the athlete that he trained, the athlete that he was able to mold into an unbelievable champion in Mike Tyson again able to really connect and bring the best out of him and this goes across other sports as well right like Phil Jackson who was again he was a good player don't get me wrong but he won two championships he was part of a two championship teams as a player he was part of 11 championships as a coach he voted coach of the year a bunch of times and if you look at the connection that he had with his players i think that is a much greater reflection as to who he is and what he really uh, was meant to do. Even like Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda was never a great baseball player. I I think he was in less than 30 games in his entire career and did not perform very well as a pitcher, but was great as a coach, was great as a mentor. Um, Bill Belichick. Not a great football player, never like amazing career, but a, an unbelievable coach. Right? No other team in football history has ever reached the accolades uh, that, as what his Patriots have under his leadership. Pat Riley, again, a very mediocre player at best, but again, coach of the year many times. In addition, uh, championships on top of championships on top of championships. To take it back to mixed martial arts, famously, George St. Pierre, uh, the uh, UFC's welterweight champion for a very long time and then one time middleweight champion, is coached by a gentleman by the name of Farah Sahabi. And Farah Sahabi, again, great uh, as far as a coach, unbelievable in what he's able to draw out of George St. Pierre, um, Rory McDonald, and a whole slew of other athletes that were under his direction. But you wouldn't look on Farah Sahabi's wall and see any championship belts with his name on them. Again, not an unbelievable fighter, but an unbelievable coach. And uh, one more proof of concept here, uh, a man who's uh, got an unbelievable competition team in the jiu-jitsu world, John Donaher. John Donaher, unbelievable competition uh, trainer. His his jiu-jitsu athletes are great. The Donaher Death Squad, as they're called, are fantastic. They've, they've uh, competed at all sorts of high levels. They do really, really well when they compete. But again, John Donaher never competed at a super high level, just a very skilled motivator, a very skilled coach. Now, I want to get to my main point, the things that make these mentors and all other mentors great at what they do. And I asked for feedback on social media like I have been doing and I will continue to do. So I wanted to start first with the feedback that I got on Facebook. So let's bring that up. Again, my question very simply was, what makes a good mentor? So uh, Daryl answered me first and he started with a silly joke that went over my head at first. (laughs) But when he came back with with a more serious answer, his, his answer was great and here it is. Uh, a lot of what makes a good mentor can be found in the lessons that you teach at Tiger Schulman's. The mentor understands the goals that need to be accomplished. The mentor always has a plan. It's something I have the kids recite all the time, I ask them what a sense they always have, and the kids respond, a plan, because I always do. Uh, the mentor has gained enough trust in the relationship that the mentee doesn't need to know the exact details of the plan But can follow it in digestible pieces. The mentor sticks with the plan. The mentor works to develop a non-quitting spirit in the mentee. And the mentor helps set newer, greater goals just before the original goal is actually accomplished. I think this outlays or outlines, I should say, one of the best things that a mentor needs to have: a plan, a process. A way to get you from A to B, or A to Z rather. But in order to get you from A to Z, they have to first get you from A to B. And it's right about when you're about to get to B, they start sh- uh, shedding some light on C, and so on, and so on, and so on. And again, you don't want to try to look at that whole journey in one fell swoop. Instead, you want to look at it in small pieces. And a good mentor will be able to not only have the plan to get you from A to Z, but definitely take you little by little by little through those steps to get you to appreciate and understand them in their little pieces. And they'll take you along the process that way. Dr. Denny gave me another great one here. Uh, I've had a lot of really great mentors. She said, Uh, I've been fortunate and they all had patience and knew how to set their proteges up for success. When I mentor, I try to have the same patience and instill confidence within my young guns in the lab, one who is like me when I was her age. But patience, so much patience. I'm sure I'll think of something else she says. But patience is definitely one of the things that's extraordinarily important for a mentor because if you're going to be taking someone through a long process, you can't rush them. The process cannot be rushed. The only way to get quality is to stick with your process. Jeff with some more great feedback again this week. A good mentor also learns from their mentee, definitely. You have to learn who the person that you're mentoring is. You have to learn what they respond to and what they don't. You have to learn what ways learn, uh, help them learn the best, what examples. Uh, for example, as a martial arts instructor, when I'm teaching somebody, I have to understand how they think. And that may seem very broad, but some people have a very logical brain. Some people have a very uh, word-driven brain. Some people have a very mathematically-driven brain. So, for example, if I understand how someone thinks, if they have a more mathematic brain, I'm going to give them a more geometric answer as to how I describe how to do the technique. If it's more word-driven, then I have to change my Im- my exp- explanation to be more word-driven. If they're more of a, more of a visual learner, I have to show them many more times. So I have to understand who they are in order to be able to better mentor them. Michelle, with an, uh, some more great feedback here. A good mentor invests him or herself totally into that person, and in return, only wants to see that person shine. Think about what I talked about earlier with Trevor Whitman and Justin Gagey, spending all that time in his basement just to get great gloves for his fighter. Jenna reached out and she said a good mentor teaches by example continues to learn while admitting they don't know it all they instill the confidence in yourself that they see in you and they encourage you to mentor others as you have been mentored well, that's beautiful the ideal thing that a mentor looks for the greatest result a mentor can have is not only their student their protege their prodigy whatever whatever you want to call them mentee, is to see them go on and mentor another in the same way. There's no greater moment than that. As an instructor who has produced several instructors, when I can see my students teaching others, and I can see them making connections, and I can see those students look at me, look at them, I should say, the way that those instructors once looked at me, that's a powerful moment. That's it doesn't get much better than that as a mentor. Doug gave me some great feedback too. He said a mentor is one who leads and teaches by example, yet also remains humble as well as learns from students. So again, definitely touched on some of the things that some of the others uh, wrote earlier. Now, I have some things that I wrote down that I think make a good mentor. and obviously, you could make this list endless. We could go on episode after episode after episode talking about the factors that make a good mentor. So there's just a couple of things that really jumped out at me, things that I thought were very very important. The first that I think is very important is motivational. If a mentor can't get you to do more than you thought you could, what what value do they have? If they can't draw a little bit extra out of you, then why are you why are you spending time with them? And I think a mentor that can push you to a level just beyond what you thought was capable is really doing their job. In order to do that, they have to have the second characteristic that I think. They have to have an ability to connect with people. They have to have a connection and a connection quickly. Because without that connection, it doesn't really work. It's very hard for you to be motivated by someone that you don't have an interpersonal connection with. Otherwise, it's just kind of like watching a YouTube video to learn how to do something. You're just listening to the words. It's different when you can have feedback and interaction and and get corrections from that person. That, That connection is what's able to keep the mentee moving forward. But in order for them to put in that much work, a mentor has to care. They have to care, and they have to care a lot. If that mentor doesn't care more about the mentee or student's success than their own, it's very difficult for that mentor to drive the person. And obviously, no one can make the mentor care but themselves. But caring is among their most important qualities they need to have. Uh, Another thing that I think is very important is they can't sugarcoat. A mentor who is afraid to tell you what you're doing wrong isn't helping you. I give this analogy to people all the time. Who is your better friend? The person who walks up to you and says, hey, you have spinach in your teeth, which is an uncomfortable moment, or the person who walks up to you, sees you have spinach in your teeth, but doesn't say a word to you.
1: Who really cares
0: about you? I think the person who's willing to have that awkward moment with you. They care more about you. (laughs) They don't care about that awkward moment. They care more about you not looking like a fool. And I think if you're a mentor and you can't tell your student that, you know, you're making this mistake, you're not working hard enough, you're not pushing yourself, you're doing whatever you're doing here is wrong, I don't think you really care about their success. Don't get me wrong, everybody needs a pat on the back sometimes. But if you're making a mistake, you need to be told about it. That's the only way you're going to get better. That requires the mentor having, the next thing I want to bring up, a plan. If the mentor doesn't have a big, a big-picture plan to get you from where you are today to your goal, then how are you going to get there? You can't fly by the seat of your pants. It doesn't work. Instead, you have to be able to go step by step by step. I am a very big believer in process. If you have a system for things, if you have a process for things, you are much more likely to get them done and get them done in a very organized way. They have to still be a student. Now, that doesn't just mean that the mentor is training in the field they are being a mentor in. They have to be a student in how to motivate others, right? in their own plan. They have to constantly be thinking about it and tweaking it. They have to be a student in human psychology, understanding people and what makes them tick. They have to constantly uh, be learning as much as they can about all the other things that relate to them, their mentorship in addition to their skill set. Yes, uh, if, if, let's take with martial arts to make it simple. Yes, they have to still be training in their martial arts in order to be able to get you better at the, uh, martial arts. If they're not getting better, it limits your ability to get better. But even more than that, they have to think about psychology, motivation, their plan, and everything else related to what it is they're being a mentor in. And the most important thing, in my opinion, that they have to do is they have to have the ability to keep the right type of relationship. There's a very big difference between a friend relationship and a mentor relationship. All right? we talked about this a little bit last week, the one directional nature. In order for there to be a proper relationship for that mentor to draw the best out of that person, they need to have the type of relationship where the mentor listens. The mentor uh, takes in everything that the mentee gives them, but doesn't share everything that's on their own mind. The, again, the mentee never knows the weaknesses of the mentor, but the mentor knows all of the weaknesses of the, uh, of the student. It brings up a great thing that happened, or a, very, um, a thing that requires a lot of feedback as, as of this week has just passed there was a, a UFC card this weekend that I'm sure you know about because I talked about it last week multiple Tiger Shawman's fighters uh, competed on it and they both put on a great show uh, Shane Burgos won fight of the night which was incredible but there was a moment that happened between a mentor and a student that was a lot of people drew some, some ire and um to the the, what happened. Coach Robert Drysdale uh, was in the corner of his athlete, Max, I'm not even going to try to attempt to say Max's last name, it's very, uh, a lot of consonants. Anyway, but he's in the corner with his fighter and his fighter is telling him, Coach, I don't have it, stop the fight. Coach, tonight's not my night, stop the fight. And Robert is encouraging him over and over and over again, no, Max, you're a champion, you can do this. No, Max, you can do this, you're a champion. And a lot of people thought Robert was being a bad coach by doing that, but what we can't forget is, as his coach, who has been his coach for a very long time, I guarantee you, there's no one in this world, not even Max's parents, that know Max better than than Robert Drysdale. I don't think there's another person on earth that has seen him at his highs and his lows the way that Robert has, and as a result. I'm sure he knew how he could push his athlete but that only comes from being a mentor that truly cares, that has truly put the time in with that, man, that, that student and has really looked to get their best out of it. So that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, with that being said, uh, as always, you guys can reach me via email, SenseiLeonelli at gmail. Find me on social media, on Facebook, I'm Sensei James Leonelli, on Instagram and Twitter, I am sensei underscore leonelli. Uh, I brought back my daily quote thing, so follow me there for some daily motivational quotes. You can find my school online. We are at tsksmithtown.com. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Smithtown. Twitter and Instagram is tsmma underscore smithtown. Uh, the podcast can be found at podcast. Find out more about Tiger Shulman's as a whole at tsk.com. And with that being said, my friends, until next time, I will see you guys on the map.